you always see these drag races, these electric cars, <laughs> like on TV. Have you ever been at a red light and you kind of look over at another trucking? <laughs> hey, at a at another trucking company. And you know that that dude's wanting to race you in that day cab, and you just kind of give him that nod like it's on, bro. Welcome to Beyond the Rig. Real, authentic, and driver-focused. All things trucking. This is Beyond the Rig. Here are your hosts, Linda Dominey and Will Phipps. All right. Welcome back to Beyond the Rig. I'm your host, Linda Dominey. And I'm Will Phipps. So, Will? We're here again. I know. They yeah. hadn't kicked us off. Surely. Well, I thought, <laughs> hey, well, I don't even know what episode. We won't even say what episode we're on, but we're still here. I know. Okay. You know why? Because you're from Tennessee, and we're already past one hand. Can you count? Do you have the other hand to count? You're from Texas. <laughs> I'm just saying. She had to look for the other <laughs> hand. See? <laughs> so, how was your week? It was good. Right. So I I guess I'm the guy who I guess they just want to laugh at. So I guess I'm just going to start it out here with how my week went. So I'm going to tell this story. Oh, boy. Okay? It's it's pretty funny to me. It's embarrassing, but it's funny. Oh, I so love embarrassing. A, as I stated in one of the other podcasts, I like to go for my walks. That way, uh, by the time I get done walking, that my head's clear and I don't say anything to anybody that's rude. Okay. So as I'm wrapping up one of my walks where I'm coming down, I'm on the public street and down below there's two basketball courts, a sand volleyball area, and kind of like a little park where people, mother, kids, everybody sits over there and plays. Yeah. So I see everyone over there. And, and as a guy, an older guy, you see all the teenage kids and my, my daughter and everybody <laughs> you know, hangs out in this park. So oh I know boy. half of the little teenage boys. So you're trying to be manly and cool. Oh, no. As I'm going down the grassy hill, oh, no. there's a stick about two feet long and probably an inch in diameter. So I'm just, I'm making eye contact, trying to scope out everybody down trying there. Trying to be cool. Trying to be cool. You know, that way if, my, if they see my daughter's dad, it's like, hey, I know him. Okay. So I go to kick the stick <laughs> and just get it out of my way. Oh, no. And it wraps up in my ankles and I trip. <laughs> And I fall all the way down the hill, and I'm thinking, are you kidding? So one tiny stick absolutely took me down, and I was trying to be so cool and subtle about it. But it was probably one of the most embarrassing things ever. But I played it off like a champion. Was your daughter there? No, but some of her friends were playing basketball. Oh, so the question is, by the time you got home, did your daughter know what happened? No, I kind of walked the other way just in case any of her friends, because I just knew somebody was going to point me out because everybody has cell phones anymore. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't care. I tried playing it off cool. How do you play that off cool? You're rolling down the hill. I think it's the first time. (laughs) And it probably won't be the last. So that's how my week started. It's always something unique with me. It's like the universe says, hey, Will, if there's something stupid or silly, you know, it's going to happen to me, but I'm okay with it. That's how I'm designed. <laughs> well, at least you made it through the week. Yeah, you know what I do now? I always stay on the concrete path, and I'm not cutting through. That's what I get. And watch for sticks. Watch for sticks. <laughs> That's what you do, America. Watch for sticks. If you're going to be cool in front of teenage kids, that ship sailed a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, Linda, I'm just curious. Do you have anything you could possibly top with how my week has went? I did not fall down. No. Not all week. No, not, not all, even not all any? month. Like, I, I do a pretty good job staying upright. 
right? I can yeah. give you some good pointers on how to play I'm it not, off and be cool. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not big on kicking sticks, um, and I don't like to fall. <laughs> and definitely, I'm not trying to be cool in front of some high school folks. You just have to run with it. <laughs> have to run with it. That's the art of it. Look graceful when you fall. I guess I need to practice, huh? Absolutely. I can give you good pointers. <laughs> practice makes perfect. That's so it. I need to go find this hill <laughs> and just start rolling down it. You'll probably see the little muddy print where I took a tumble at, so I'll mark it. <laughs> well, I'm super excited about our, our uh, show today. Do you know what we're talking about? I do. I remember kind of getting blasted on kind of our meeting preps before this. <laughs> so... And, and one of the shout outs I have to give is an individual that's been with a company for a very long time. And uh, they kind of said, hey, Will, he's going to be a boring guy. But he's not. Both of our guests today are really exciting guys. <laughs> what me? <laughs> yeah. So we had these prep meetings and they're trying to drive the bus over me. So, oh, and, I remember. And they're, and they're like, oh, the guest you're going to have over there, he's kind of boring. And they're trying I to remember. drive the bus over me. I and I'm the like, bus. what? In front, what? Of the, in front of the guest. See, not only in front of the guest, but they did this in front of, like, Dave, president and CEO in a meeting. And I'm like, I just found <laughs> that out today, too. <laughs> so, and actually, our, our guests, both our guests today are, are phenomenal. They're long, ter- long time in the industry. Absolutely. Like oh. right around the same amount of time. And we have like 30 years and 20 years? Absolutely. 29 years. Sorry. Yep. Better, better straighten that up. I do. We'll get Just it straight it here in a second. <laughs> so kind of without further ado, Dave, Frank, welcome on board. Thank uh, you. Dave, we're going to kind of start with you, sir. Uh, All right. Absolutely welcome. Thank you. And uh, we're going to kind of get down to the meat and potatoes of why you're here. Okay, you're not boring, so you have to sell it to the company (laughs) and the entire viewing audience out there. We'll find out after you're not boring. Okay, that's true or not? So we'll we'll get through all the like boring stuff is what they said. You've been with the company for how long? Twenty nine years. So kind of explain to your. So hang on a second. Twenty nine years. I recently, like this week, just found out what he started as. I had no idea. Yeah, I was in complete shock. Yeah. So tell them, 29 years ago, we hired you to do what? So I was a student at Arizona State University. I needed a job. So they put me to work in the shop as a mechanic. I was busting tires out in the middle of the summer. And uh, they asked me, do you know anything about trucks? And I said, nope, but I'm a quick study. So uh, <laughs> I, I went to work in the shop and uh, been here ever since. They haven't got, found a way to get rid of me yet. So you made it during the coldest part of Arizona in the summertime out here, busting down tires. Pretty so much, yeah. You survived that. Yeah. So. yeah, before AC was even invented. Well. Yeah, it was a long time ago, okay? Uh, yeah. So 29 years with the company here. Yep. So that's the boring stuff, okay? I want to get to know Dave 29 years with, with a trucking company. Okay, yeah. that's kind of like, oh, you go through the motions. You, we'll get into all that. What would something that Will may not know about you, like some unique thing that you bring to the table here? These are all, I'm going to be curious myself. Maybe other yeah. listeners out there may not know about Dave. So I've, 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 I've had a chance to, to kind of develop, I guess, a unique skill set, one that maybe doesn't go together in the industry a lot. So working around the equipment a lot, I ran the shops for a number of years. And so I got a chance to, to learn about the shops. I've been buying all the equipment for ever since 1997. So anything that's wrong with the truck or you don't like about the truck, my fault, 
It's okay. I'm used to it. But, Dave Williams, uh, guys. Yeah, Dave, Dave Williams. Williams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I won't hand out my cell phone, but you know. But uh, I'm also I also represent Knight and Swift from a government affairs standpoint, and so I spend a lot of time in Washington D.C. talking about trucking regulations, trucking policies, what works for our drivers, what doesn't work for our drivers. I've had a chance to travel the world. I've been to China twice on behalf of the company, so um, it's been fun. I've, yeah. I've had a good time. Like like I said, it's kind of hard to call it work when it's a good time. But uh, that sounds fun. Yeah. So you go from purchasing trucks and on Washington. Yeah, yeah. Oh, which is a cool. which is a strange combination, but it, it hey for me it works. That does. So, kind of a here. big highlight in life. You know what the biggest highlight for me so far working at the company? What's that? Riding on the corporate jet. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Yeah. I was like a kid in the kids. They don't allow me on the jet. So. <laughs> American Airlines is my jet. So. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, I ran into Dave at the airport one time. <laughs> I'm going through security. He's already headed through through the airport. Yeah. We were both headed out. It's my yeah. second home. Any hobbies? Yeah. I like to play golf and I like to build things. So I, I'm renovating a house right now, and I'm building an outdoor fireplace, big one. Oh, that's so, cool! Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, are you gonna do in ground, above ground? It's a, it's above ground. No, it's a fireplace, not a pit, but a place. Oh, a fireplace! So, are you I, gonna be able to cook in it? Oh, you can do a lot of things in it. Oh man! Are you using kind of the like the styrofoam yeah. blocks and putting the stucco uh, mud? cinder block? Oh, okay. Cinder block and fire block. That's cool. Or, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. See, so. These are things we never would have learned about See? Dave. So well, that way, when they call us out in the next meeting or something, Dave is not a boring guy. Dave, hang on, you Dave, not. you also and make, aren't you the one with the bowls? Yeah, and I raise chickens. Oh, that's right. You got like yeah. a million chickens, not but no million, roosters. But, you know, Real no roosters. Roosters, yeah. roosters got to stay out. Roosters cause trouble. So, yeah, it's all good. But enough about me. Let's right. learn about Frank. <laughs> well, Frank... Yes. Now, you know the same grilling routine right here, man. How long have you been in the industry? I've been in the industry approximately 30 years as of June this past year. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you. Wow. Thank you. It's been very interesting and exciting throughout 30 years plus, um, you know, 30 years officially. Um, you know, started out in the industry with family business in the port. And throughout that time, you know, there were some things that, you know, I was ventured into, how did I get in this industry? Well, it wasn't by choice, it's by default, but it's been, you know, a good ride. And, you know, it's fun. You get to travel the world, yeah. you know, so to speak. Uh, you know, you talk to people in the port who have a lot of insight in the industry, you know, and <clears throat> people wonder how, how do we function? How do we get all of our goods and services in? How do we become a global economy? And, you know, I tell a lot of people, just go down to the port. You want to get a good understanding, go down and watch the operation yeah. and then venture from there. So, so have you, in 30 years, have you always driven for the ports or have you, have you tested some of the other? No, over the 30 years, I've had multiple roles, uh, management with various companies, uh, actually took some time and taught for Memphis City School District and, oh. and did that adventure and then realized that, well, I still like Southern California. <laughs> You know, a few other things. So, yes. But, no, I've definitely had quite a few different roles over the years. Uh, also been in uh, public transportation as well as the private jet industry. Wow. So, you know, yeah. A little I of everything. Little Both of, of everything. you guys are very unique wow. here. Look here. Peel, right. the, peel the layers so. back and look what you're finding out. Pottery, <laughs> chickens, you know, school. Wow. Okay, so here's what we're going like to do. So we got through the introduction and it, 
we all want to know, or I'm sure they all want to know, why do we have a gentleman 29 years with a company here? So now, Dave, we got to know a little bit what you do with the company. Why are you here today to introduce and educate the audience on what? I think we're going to talk about electric drivetrains, electric trucks. Electric. Nope. No? No, just All kidding. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's exactly What else do you it. want to talk about? <laughs> We're talking chickens. Chickens. Back, let's get back to the chickens. <laughs> and the leghorns and Rhode Island reds. And what else do we got? Americanas. The furry ones. What, what are the furry ones called? I don't know. I don't have any furry ones. Oh. <laughs> That's what they sell at, uh, what is the uh, little hardware store? I don't know. The general store? Yeah, kind of like here in Arizona. Ace Hardware? Yeah, Ace. I don't know, the chickens? heating lamp. Oh, yeah. Oh. I have those. <laughs> My chickens have misters, fans, and heating lamps. Oh, these oh, are wow. luxury chickens better than here. Me. Just, just <laughs> saying. You know. He's got the Hilton in the backyard for the chickens. Just saying. You got to take mm. care of the girls. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so they can lay some eggs. Mm. Love it. That's awesome. But, no, you're right. It is electric trucks. That's it's what we true. are here to talk now, about. Kind of a hot topic in today, you know, with uh, carbon footprints and how mm. other industries are kind of leaning toward that. And, uh, you know, you're here as a subject matter expert. <laughs> expert. So both good. of you two are going to be grilled today. That's a, that's a strong description, right? but we'll go with it. <laughs> so we as, as podcast hosts... Uh, we go through different mm. topics, and, and one of the hot topics where with drivers out there these days are, especially in California with being with the ports, that uh, you kind of took this project, ran with it, and uh, tell us a little bit about what Knight has bring to, or bringing to the table as far as electric vehicles. Yeah, well, I think it's important to understand first why, right? Why, why we even go in this direction? And, uh, it, it, you know, the world is changing, and if you don't adapt to the world, then you get left behind. And we've learned that in the trucking industry. You, you literally have to adapt as the world changes. And so as the world tackles climate change, and uh, we're not going to debate climate change here, um, but, but, but at the same time, climate change has become a real part of American business. Um, our customers are interested in climate change. Our drivers are interested in climate change. Our people are interested in climate change. The government is interested in climate change. And so a lot of this is being pushed in order to uh, improve the world's air. <clears throat> and uh, there's different emissions that come out of trucks. Uh, carbon emissions, CO2, there's also NOx and particulate matter. And uh, what we're being tasked to do is to, even though we've made a lot of progress, over the last, especially the last 15 years, is to take that next step. And really that comes in uh, with zero emissions trucks or trucks that from the tailpipe don't emit any emissions. Um, our, our customers really want this to happen. And so uh, we've taken a step back as a company and, and said, hey, look, this is something, this is the direction things are going. It makes sense. It's the right thing to do. We need to do it. And so recently we ended up uh, setting a goal. And it's really the first time we've done this from an environmental perspective. We set a goal to reduce our carbon emissions by 50% in half over the next 15 years to 2035. Wow. So, which is a very ambitious goal. It's, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, based on the technology we have today, it'd be hard to get there, but we're anticipating things will get better and better and better. We've improved over time regardless, even with diesel, diesel trucks. But to really get to that next level, we need something else. 
and that something else, it turns out, is, is probably going to be electric trucks will play a role. It may not be the complete solution, but it's definitely going to play a role. Awesome. That's, that's exciting, actually. <coughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. You're talking electric. So years. did you ever watch Bill Nye, the science guy? Oh, yeah. Uh, you remember, <laughs> like, in your little projects, they would do, like, a citric something with copper wire, you know? That's kind of the speculation. I mean, are trucking companies going to have citrus fruit with <laughs> copper wires in there? <laughs> it would take a very large load of citrus <laughs> and a lot of <laughs> copper wire to move a truck. And, and that, that's the other thing that's, that's interesting is that, you know, electric cars, people say, well, electric cars are out there. Truck, trucks are next, right? Yes, but. <laughs> There's always a yes, but. Um, with a car, you're talking about, what, 3,000 pounds, 2,000 pounds, especially for the smaller electric cars. That's a completely different proposition than moving 80,000 pounds down the road, down let the road. alone up a hill. Right. So the physics are working against us. It's, it's a much more uh, challenging proposition, and that's why trucks are lagging in terms of seeing them out on the road. So, Frank, I'm curious. <clears throat> you know, you've gotten our first electric truck, right? Yes. So what's it like driving, like? When you show up at the ports, what's the other driver's reactions? It's quite interesting. It's actually, you know, the first time out is like an honor to be behind the wheel of it and feel the engineering going into, I mean, the power. It has great power. Uh, You get on there and it's so quiet. That's the first thing that was a hard thing. I mean, (laughs) being so quiet and you get in and you tap the accelerator and it's like, this is not, this, this feels different. Is it on? But it feels good, you know. (laughs) So, yeah, it was a great experience. And then going into the port, uh, you know, you go in, the first thing you do is you pull up to security to show your ID and your Twit card. And a lot of times the security will look at you like there's something wrong. And the the first young lady that I pulled up to and showed her this, she's like, you need to turn your truck on. I said, it's running. She said, and then she looks, she says, oh, Wow. And she wanted to stop and get out of her booth, and she ran around to the front of it. She came back around to the other side. She says, oh, go ahead, go ahead. You're holding up traffic now. I said, I'm not holding up traffic. <laughs> but it's quite interesting because then the next phase you go to is a kiosk, and you pull up to it and where traditionally you turn your vehicle off so that you can communicate. Right. You don't have to do that. You know, it can continue to run. Whether you need heat or air, it's still running. So there's some things that you have to use caution on, you know, and remembering that your vehicle is running, setting your brakes, uh, making right. sure before you take off that no one's around or walking. So there are definitely security features for the vehicle mm-hmm. that the driver has to take the initiative to run with. You know, and a lot of times now it's kind of tapping the horn before you move. Yeah. So there, that's very, very <clears throat> interesting. That's something I didn't think about that you you can't hear it and so how would how if i'm passing by you hear the big giant truck but at your truck we wouldn't be able to hear it so i wouldn't even know if i'm walking in front of you that you were ready to go right it does make a a sound once you initiate from neutral to drive you'll hear the the rev that starts to come as the propulsion starts um but still it's once you tap that accelerator it's not like tradition where you step on it and let's go it's an ease into it because once you do it, you feel the thrust, wow. you know. Yeah, it's funny. Some of the manufacturers have even debated having a noisemaker on the truck 
whether this uh, beeping or a whirring or some sort of noise to let people know yes. that the truck is running and it might run you over if you don't move. Yeah, I about <laughs> right. got yeah. hit by a Tesla in Walmart parking lot. And the yeah. only thing that saved me was kind of the gravel was stuck in the tire. And I heard the rock on the pavement. And it would have right. flat run me over. Well, that Tesla would have stopped. No, I would have been Doesn't it? Isn't it one? And aren't those have the brake where it just stops? <clears throat> Actually, for Will, it wouldn't have. It have <laughs> oh, they it have hacked into the system over here. <laughs> Me, it would have stopped you. No, it ran you right over. And probably back back up. Will would have changed a few things <laughs> right? for us. Hey, so I want to ask you this one question here, okay? I'm sorry, Dave, you have to hear this. So, Uh-oh. 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 Be- being a dude from Tennessee, you get in something like that, you always see these drag races, these electric cars, <laughs> like on TV. Have you ever been at a red light and you kind of look over at another trucking? <laughs> hey, at a at another trucking company, and you know that that dude's wanting to race you in that day cab, and you just kind of give him that nod, like it's on, bro, and you take <laughs> off and just because we heard these things will just squeal the tires, man. Have you ever done that? Oh, that's quite interesting. You would go there. Right. Uh, <laughs> we do get strange looks though from other drivers. Do they want to race you? You know, some want to. Do you? But you no, you you ease off of that. You know, that's where you you kind of go. You know what? There's Good a answer, pride right? here. Good answer. You know, we don't need to do that. Why would we go there? Hey, hold you on, know, let me back it up. Like Will and hey. get out there burning rubber hey. while he's down in Tennessee, lost if he, somewhere. Dave, Will could never have this <laughs> hey, truck. No, if he no. wasn't sitting beside you. I mean, what, what, but my wink give it away like you'd want to race Actually, somebody. I think if Dave was driving, he'd probably be the one to race. He you know who, you know, demeanor right so now. So I'll tell you this. So I, I have driven the trucks. Okay. And, and fortunately for me, the, the opportunity I got to drive the trucks was on a race track. It literally ah, was. See. Oh, it was on a, uh, oh, it was awesome. on an oval track and it was actually in, uh, part of it was an F1 track. And so there was some turns. And, and just to back up what Frank said, I mean, the, the things that grabbed me driving it were, were, one, it's quiet, right? And so there's a lot of noises in the truck that you didn't realize were right. there before because right. the engine covers it up. So I mean, little squeaks and squirrels, and you're kind of like looking around the truck going, <laughs> you know, is this thing going to fall apart? But really, it, they've, they've been there all along. You just couldn't hear them. But that's really strange to me. But the torque is amazing. That's why I, I brought mean, that it's, up. It's, it's fast. No, and I went, well, I, I, so I had a trailer. I had a 53-foot trailer I was driving, and we were loaded to about 72,000 pounds. Wow. And, and I took off like a rocket. Even with the weight on? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it no, didn't even know no. it had it back there. It, the, the torque is unbelievable. So, so you know, the, in a diesel mm-hmm. truck, you're talking about 1,700 foot-pounds of torque, right? And it's, it's delayed because you've got a combustion engine that has to spin up and, and get everything going, kind of warm up. With electric, the, the torque is multiples of that, and it's instant. And so you almost have to be careful because if you stomp on it too much, you'll, you'll load right. shift. Right? Definitely. So that's Definitely. why Frank's being very you know, good and, and not, <laughs> not, not going. But, but here's the other thing, and maybe Frank can, can comment on this, that I noticed as I was going around the oval track, with a diesel truck, when you're when you're going around a turn, you got a lot of cab roll, okay? Because it's shifting gears, it's doing things. You just feel a lot of things moving around. And when you when you're turning around a corner, you got a lot of centrifugal force that's pulling you. With a di- with an electric truck, the interesting thing is because the batteries are sitting really low, the center of gravity changes. Oh. oh. And so you've got a real stable truck. And so what I noticed was going around the corner, I got a little too confident. 
<laughs> and and I was taking the corner a little too fast. In fact, my my safety driver that was with me, you know, kept tapping, you know, saying, "Hey, you know, you might want to slow down around the corner." But it felt good going around the corner. Right. The problem is, you get this false sense of security, and yeah, you you could have a rollover when when you know wow. the other indicators with a diesel truck maybe aren't there. So that was kind of interesting for me. No, that's a good point, Dave. Because one thing you do feel with the center <laughs> of gravity being much lower, when you do get a load on. Uh, and you start to take off, for instance, some of the uh, entrances, for instance, we're right at the 710. You can feel the tractors wanting to do one thing and the trailers wanting to do something oh. else. So it regenerates that information to the driver, or it should, that, hey, I need to ease up mm-hmm. and I need to pay attention to what's going on uh, because that can change very quickly if you don't. Right. And not that I recommend it, but if a diesel <laughs> truck ever pull up next to you, <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> you could roast them. We do not encourage racing for pink slips. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Cargo claims, problems. Right. Not good. Not I guess good. I should have asked Frank if the trailer was empty. Would he do it? <laughs> yeah, not with cargo. Let's just move on. Right? We're going to put him on, on the spot. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> so what are the current trade-offs and limitations of the electric trucks? Oh, there are many. You know, it's interesting. I, I get asked this question a lot is, is when are electric trucks going to take over? And, and the answer is they're not. Um, the, the answer is, is that there's a portion of the industry where electric trucks make sense. And that portion is in drayage and local moves. Um, the problem with electric trucks is, is that is, is range, Right. So, so the trucks can only go so far, whereas with a diesel truck, you can go, you know, 1,000 trucks, 1,500 miles, whatever that number is. With an electric truck, you're basically at this point limited to a couple hundred miles. Um, we could go longer, but what would have to happen is we'd have to put batteries in the trailer. <laughs> so <laughs> you wouldn't have room for freight, and oh, by the way, batteries are heavy. And so, so, so the further that you go, the heavier the truck. So, so we're balancing constantly between how far the truck will go and what kind of freight it can actually carry. So, so really that's what's going to limit this, this uh, technology in the marketplace to, I don't know, maybe, maybe 10% of the market currently could, could really use an electric truck. Um, so, so that's one of the things. The other thing is it's really expensive. Yeah. Uh, these trucks are, are, you know, you take a normal diesel truck, you, you could buy probably three diesel trucks for the cost three or four diesel trucks for the cost of electric truck. Uh, the technology is new. Um, the batteries are very expensive. They got precious metals in these batteries. And when I say batteries, you, you all know what a truck battery looks like, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This thing's a, a, a tray. I mean, this is the size of a, of a kitchen table, and it's probably, you know, six inches thick with water-cooled batteries inside. So this is not wow. your, your, oh, wow. your battery that you put in, in your... Ford F-150 or even, right. Your, right. even your diesel truck. These things are huge. Ah. And they come in, they're modular. So you can do one tray, you can do two trays. Well, the more trays you add, the further you can go, but the less weight you can carry. Just adding weight to the truck, the truck itself. Is, yeah. I'm with you. Correct. So, so what government has done is they basically come out and said, like California, for example, you can go to 82,000 pounds. They give you a 2,000-pound weight exemption for that oh, truck. If you're running electric. If you're train? running electric. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, some of these trucks, at least the prototypes, and, and oh, by the way, nothing's for sale right now. You, you couldn't buy an electric truck if you wanted one. They're all prototypes. Right. 
these prototypes are are you know upwards of maybe seven thousand pounds heavier than a than a diesel truck and i'm speaking in general across the board some are less some are more depends on the manufacturer so uh so yeah there there, there are lots of trade-offs and we're working through that yeah i have a question now that you said that being like in an electric vehicle they get to drive in the HOV lane with only one person. Would a oh. truck be allowed to do that in California? You know how they're kind of just set trucks yeah. in this lane, mm. yeah. and that's the only lane. Would why, don't that you, allow? why don't you try it and let me know what happens? Not me. Hey. <laughs> that is a great question. That would be, yeah. Do, do we, does the tag, does the tag, the little clouds? Not that I'm aware of, no. No? Yeah. Yeah, maybe you someday. said it's just low percentage of what's out there now. I mean, this isn't. Well, again, they're not. The, the, right. Everything out there is test or prototype. There's gotcha. really no production vehicles out there right now. Now, once they get proliferated, they may end up uh, adding them to the HOV lane. I wouldn't hold my breath, but you never know. Gotcha. How cool would that we'll be? We'll have a special sticker for Will Access. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No no drag racing. <laughs> no drag racing, Will. So you kind of hit on, you know, the price, you know, kind of, yeah. you know. Uh, What's the benefits of the electric compared to like the diesel? I mean, as far as like mechanics having to do like twenty, you know, A B services going in for, you know, yeah. fluid changes and stuff. What's the benefits of having an electric vehicle? Yeah, so we mentioned trade offs before. So so now we've got this really expensive truck, right? And and by the way, there's public money out there to help with the early adopters to to reduce the cost of those trucks, but it's still really expensive. And so we gotta make it up somewhere else. And so where, you, where we hopefully are going to make it up, and we, we, we have a good idea on one side, but maybe not on the other, um, is, is fuel cost yeah. and maintenance costs, right? So what we do is we look at how much does it cost us to propel a truck using diesel fuel. And oh, by the way, diesel fuel is the most efficient fuel in the world. It has the highest energy content of any other fuel. So we're actually taking a step backwards when we go to electric from an efficiency standpoint. But wow. electricity on a per unit of energy basis is less expensive than diesel fuel. So while we may use more of it to get us down the road, it's less expensive. So we're going to recoup our costs somewhat uh, in fuel consumption or electrical consumption in this case. The other, the other theory is, and we have yet to prove this out because we really don't know yet, is that, you know, think about a diesel engine. Uh, you got a lot of lubricated moving parts, right? Mm-hmm. That things that break, things that get right. stuck, things you have to change the oil, you have to have air filters, you have to have all these things. We're basically uh, reducing the number of movable parts. Now, be careful what you ask for. Because like anything, uh, we have less parts, but now they're computerized parts. And with any computerized part, more sensors, anybody who has a laptop knows that, you know. For all delete. Stuff yes. goes wrong, right? <laughs> what, ha- what happens when you blue screen on a truck? I don't, what do you do? I don't, it's going to happen. We're going to have to figure it out. But hopefully maintenance costs are going to be less. Um, we'll just have to see. Some of these things uh, we're learning now, and some of these things we're, we don't know yet. And we may not know until we, we get more out on the road. So kind of one of the questions I have, my, my father was a diesel mechanic for 47 years, and uh, you open up a running cat motor, and there's fans, there's shroud, there's all kinds of moving parts. You take an electric truck, you open the hood. What dangers or the risk are out there for the, it's like a typical driver? I mean, your pre-trip you inspection. Oh. I think I'll start off with anything orange, <laughs> stay away from. Oh, so it's labeled it, in the it, truck. It, yes. Yeah. If you're curious, you hold that thought. Don't touch anything. <laughs> so it's, it's not like a, so for our listeners and yeah. anybody out there, you know, listening or watching this, 
a pre-trip inspection on one of these vehicles. It doesn't sound too typical of a regular tractor. It's not as typical, but you still have pre-trip. You perform the same pre-trip. Key points basically. and stuff that you're There's looking at. There's certain things mm-hmm. that you look for. You never want to leave without that vehicle being safe. You know, there are things that you may notice. There are new things and technology that are applied uh, for that vehicle versus a traditional uh, Class 8 vehicle. So you're still looking for cracks and making sure all your bolts are on. You want to check your fluid levels because there are uh, quite a few different fuel levels uh, to check to keep those batteries cool. So there's still components that you need to check. There are hoses. But if it's orange. Running. Yeah, don't yeah, touch I, it if it's orange. That's what I would add. I mean, yes. na- nature is a great teacher, right? right. <laughs> I mean, you, you go out in nature and you see a snake and it's got it's got a, a neon color on it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. I'm running. You regardless. see a frog and yeah. it's got neon colors on it. You touch it right. and you die, right? So same thing with this truck. You, see, you see a neon color, in this case orange, don't they touch it. it. Right. Um, it, which begs the question, you know, are they, are they safe? And, and the answer is yes, right? But, but there are precautions that you have to take. There's some extra training that you have to do. Frank and I have both been through some training classes just to be around the truck. Right. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's some high, really high voltage wires in there, and they're, they're big, and yeah. they, they, will, they will take you down. Right. So but overall, I think it's a very safe vehicle. I, I definitely believe that. And like I said, it, it's, with it being quiet, you notice you start paying attention to different things that you didn't pay attention to before. That's going to so. lead me into my next little question for you, Frank. <laughs> Anxiety. I mean, you're you're a driver. You took it right out of my mouth. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you want to run? We'll, we'll no, relay you this. go ahead. You go okay. ahead. So, 30 years in the industry, I, I, I'm sure you've driven every type of transmission. Did you ever get a drive like those CNG, the propane trucks? Yes. Like horrible. You know, in my opinion, it was just like <laughs> going up a hill. It was horrible having having to fuel the propane. So now you've you've got another hurdle. You've got anxiety over an electric, which has got to be really cool. I mean, do you ever just get anxiety and, like, get out there, like, what am I going to do if this thing dies? Where am I going to charge up? Do you have to be in a, a radius of where you better return to base, kind of like my Roomba vacuum cleaner at home? Or, I mean, well, what? <laughs> you know, for me, I'm going to say, I think it's one of the things that I go over in DQP, especially around the port, is focusing on stress and anxiety. So I talk about that quite a bit. Because as you plan your day, you want to plan your day for the least amount of stress and the least amount of anxiety. So if you go into it with the anxiety, by the end of the day... Forget it. You forget it. Right. Right, Linda. You're done. So it really goes into pre-planning. So when you take that vehicle out, you know you're starting with a full charge. And you want to plan the unexpected. You know, traffic, weather, all the conditions that you might face. And then you're saying, okay... If I'm going, say we're running out of, out of Port out of Southern California, you're running to the Riverside area, okay? I'm going to run into traffic at some point. So if I get into a precarious situation, where am I going to stop to charge? So along the way, instead of just I'm going to point A and point B, I'm going to point A and B, but I need to plan C and D along the way as a stress reducer mm-hmm. to uh, reduce my anxiety. Because I've been so curious, are, it's like if you go up a hill, Headwinds, you know, what kind of weight are you pulling and something like that? Right. It seemed like it all be factors into a truck. That's why I wanted to ask the anxiety part because it seemed like a whole lot more is added to your it plate can, on it, being responsible and trip planning. Yes, it definitely can anxi- add anxiety to your day. So, you know, if you don't pre plan it. 
So you've been driving it for a while, so you feel confident. But that first time you got in the truck, like, and I haven't been in the truck, so I don't know, is there like your cell phone, there's a battery that you see it start trickling down? On the dash, you can adjust to see what, you know, the different displays. So so you can see the batteries and when it's charging uh, and the amount of power you're using. And it also, uh, one of the key benefits, that as you use the... Uh, braking mechanisms, it actually regenerates power to the vehicle, mm-hmm. which helps that along the way. So <clears throat> it, it's a practicing technique to get out there and figure out how to use it. And it's it's an ongoing learning aspect, even for myself, of how to add power back to that vehicle throughout your daily drive. So are you constantly checking the, the little battery guy? It's not the first time, yes. The battery guy? Yeah, the little battery dude. The The gauge? Yeah. The meter? (laughs) Well, the guy does move. Well, the guy or gal moves up and down, but, you know. See, gender neutral. Yeah, those things put off. You know, in like a typical truck, uh, you know, like a battery, you could tell a bad battery, sometimes they swell up or they give off like a rotten egg smell. Does any of that go on in these electric trucks? I mean, you're talking about trays. Mm -hmm. I haven't experienced so, so not far. so far. You can't right. see them. Well. Oh, you can't see. So, them. so like a a uh, a truck battery will be encapsulated in a plastic uh, rectangle, right? right? This is in a big tray where it's it's all metal. You can't see inside of it. But but rather than having, uh, uh, you know, the 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 content of a current diesel battery, these are little batteries. These are these are about uh, an inch round and probably three or four inches long, and they're all strung together. And so it, it's it's like a whole bunch of batteries strung together, but but you'll never see them. You should never smell them. Hopefully, right. uh, if you do, then there's, there's a problem. <laughs> at least we haven't gotten to that point yet. Right. How's that? Yeah. So then, at the end of the night, you start with a full charge. I heard you say that. Yes. In the beginning, you start with a full charge. So then you come home for the night. Then what? Then what? You replace the vehicle back to a charging unit. Um, you plug it in. You just just a little. Stick it into where the fuel would normally Just go. Just like it would be for, you know, the, a car. A little dude. Yeah. Plug <laughs> in and the little dude. Yeah. Plug it in. And the most important part is to take a few moments to watch it and see what it's doing and to make sure it's charging. Oh. So there's... Watch there, the, make sure the little yes. guy moves. You see? have to make sure the meter's running. <laughs> uh, and sometimes with the charging unit, it gives you information back. So it will do a diagnostic first to see what the vehicle, how the vehicles perform for the day. And then you can look at that meter, and it'll tell you a start, or it'll sometimes it'll tell you unplug, uh, restart. So there's continuous information uh, flowing. That's yeah, cool. and there's there's something interesting about infrastructure too, which we didn't mention yet. You know, the infrastructure or the charging stations are things we have to build out. I mean, there are third parties out there that will provide this, but in general, if we're going to commit to this, we got to have our own station. So that's more money. They're expensive. Yeah. I mean, they're they're perhaps uh, millions, depending oh, wow. on how many how many trucks that you want to charge. So it's not like a fifty foot extension cord Ooh. from your local hardware <laughs> store. That's not huh? going to do it. Wow. In fact, in fact, the lines where that that you plug into the truck are thick, really thick, and they're water cooled, and so there's coolant running in the line because the line gets hot. And there's really two different types of chargers. The one that we have right now is a what, what I'll refer to as a trickle charger, where it's meant to charge it over a longer period of time, like overnight. Correct. But they also have uh, uh, superchargers or me- mega chargers, where, where basically you, you zap it hard wow. and you, you kind of you know wake the truck up and give it a, a big boost of juice and then, and then keep You're going. You're ready to go. 
Yeah, and 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 there's trade-offs to those because obviously the bigger chargers require like a megawatt of electricity to be brought into the facility, mm. and you know you might dim all the lights in the neighborhood every time you <laughs> charge it. <laughs> but you know, and it also could have a long-term impact on the chemistry of the batteries if you zap it too often. And so the for the health of the batteries, the trickle chargers are better. But we're we're playing with what makes most sense. Because one of the things that's interesting that, that I learned through this process is, is that, you know, electricity rates vary throughout the day. Right. Just like your home, right? Right. So at peak times, um, like in California, for example, I'll throw out some round numbers, um, at night, you, you may be five cents per kilowatt hour, generally speaking, right? During the day, during peak hours, it may be 15 cents or three times as much. So being conscious of when you charge is going to be an important part of this, this strategy of putting trucks out on the road. Because if, if you run the truck all morning and then have to come back to the facility in the middle of the day and charge it, you may be always charging at the most expensive time of the day. And now, from an economic standpoint, that doesn't work as well for us. And yeah. So we're, we're going to learn. We're going to adjust. We're going to grow with this thing. But it's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to think about. So then the question is, um, so like in your home, I know me when I at eight o'clock, it's cheaper to run your appliances. Right. And so I'll set my dishwasher to run at eight if I'm not going to be home or my washing machine, I'll set it for it to run in the morning. So when I wake up, it's already done. These um, charging stations, this trickle charger, can you put a delay on it so that that way if the driver leaves at five and that's the most expensive, they can plug it in, put a delay and it starts at eight. Or is that a possibility? Or yeah, no? we'll go back to the word trade-offs. <laughs> <laughs> and so here's the trade-off. If you want to have a parking space and a meter or, or a charger for every single truck, you can do that. Sounds so more expensive, though. It, it expensive. sounds more expensive, yeah, doesn't it? It is more expensive. expensive. <laughs> it's quite a bit more expensive. And so, so you know, if, if you charge up a truck, pull it off the charger and go park it over here and then bring the next truck in, you only need one or two chargers or however many you need, Right. But if you're gonna if you're gonna what they call load management or or you're gonna manage what time each truck charges and oh by the way, you know can you put two trucks on one charger and have one fully charged and as soon as it's done charging you stop it and then start charging the other one. Right. The answer is yes. It just costs money. Everything right. does. Everything does. <laughs> Anything's possible with more money. Wow. So what we're trying to do is with our facilities group is do studies around what makes the most sense and how do we optimize and. and provide capacity but not spend too much makes sense yeah frank have you ever wow. ran out in the truck yet since you've been driving it or you had you just cut your day and stop it from <laughs> delivery and find somewhere to charge it fortunately i have not but we have had i think two different drivers who have not completely planned their day accordingly <laughs> uh, and have come very close to making it back but not quite that would wow. be anxiety so, yes oh gosh yeah. So and Dave, then what do they do? Do they come out like, you, you know, if you're it. on, yeah, I was going to say, because it's not like AA or what are they, AAA comes out and, and just. <laughs> the charger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're going to give you a jump. <laughs> or little boost packs. <laughs> so they got to tow you home. You need yeah, a they big boost. tow you home, unfortunately. Wow. Or so. to the nearest charging station, Correct. which there are others outside of our own facility, but, but yeah. So can, can this truck use the same charging facilities as a mm. regular vehicle? It, it depends, and that's a big uh, uh, debate, I guess, within the industry right now. 
So the the ideal situation is we'd have a standardization of charging uh, uh, ports or the you know the receptacle that you use to plug it in. Um, some companies, I won't say which, it's kind of like Apple. You know, they want their own lightning deal. Uh-huh. Uh, some companies want their own, you know, receptacles so that you have to go back and use their charging stations. Right. Because what you got to understand too is when when you have a problem, sometimes you just follow the money, right? So there's these things called carbon credits. And a carbon credit is something that you generate that reduces emissions that you can then sell. And so, so the person who generates the carbon credits are the ones who own the charging facilities. Makes I like sense. putting solar panels and selling the electricity back to the... Some, something like okay. that. And so as an industry, we're debating, and, and there's certain collaborative groups that are trying to come up with a universal plug. Now, can you go to a automotive type plug and charge it in? I, 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 there, there might be a day that that can happen, but, but I wouldn't recommend it at this point. The ones that we're going to use will be more specifically designed for heavy duty trucks, mm. at least for now. Okay, makes yeah. sense. So, Dave, I have a question for you. Just curiosity over what people I run into, drivers out there. Seventy percent of the earth is covered in water. I mean, is there ever going to be a time, in your opinion, when hydrogen vehicles are coming out? I mean, <laughs> have you heard anything down the pipeline of potential hydrogen-powered vehicles, you know, you've to been, kind of reduce yeah. that carbon? Because you, I, you you've know, been the watching reason, the news, haven't Yeah, you? the reason I asked this is they just rolled out, like, a $2 billion plan from FedEx. <clears throat> they said by 2040 they want to reduce their carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. So we're all on, you know, reducing it for the environment, yeah. you know. yeah. Yeah, the, it's interesting. In fact, uh, Knight will be getting its first hydrogen fuel cell truck in the, I'll call it the near future, within a year, hopefully. Um, some of these timelines are moving around a little bit, but it's a new technology. And just to kind of help everybody understand what, what makes that different. So a hydrogen fuel cell truck is an electric truck. Mm-hmm. So so think of all the componentry. You've got an electric motor, you've got you know batteries, you've got all that. But rather than coming back to a facility and plugging it into a charging station and, and waiting for it to charge up, you're generating electricity on the fly. And so what, what ends up being different is you've got this electric truck infrastructure as, as a base for your truck, right? Then we're going to layer a fuel cell technology on top of that. And so what that means is we're going to have tanks. And, and from a visual standpoint, think of a CNG truck. You got the big, you know, cabinet of tanks in the back. Same thing, mm-hmm. except rather than having natural gas, you're going to have hydrogen gas, H2. Ooh. Then also on the back of the truck is a, uh, a, a catalyst. And so the catalyst, basically, you have the hydrogen gas that reacts with naturally occurring oxygen in the air. And it breaks up those elements and basically reforms it into water, H2O right? Mm-hmm. O2 plus H2, H2O. Well, you have an extra one left over. That's your free electron that turns into electricity that charges the batteries. And so it's effectively what you're doing is, is as you run down the road, you're able to recharge the batteries, which solves to a certain extent the range issue. So, so theoretically, it should get us a longer range truck, which would broaden the application for these trucks to not being just dre or local but maybe regional distribution i don't know about long haul yet but maybe regional distribution the challenge with hydrogen fuel cells right now is electric trucks we talk about them being very expensive you know three or four times the cost of a diesel truck 
take that now add the hydrogen fuel cell technology on top of that now even more and now it's it's ridiculously expensive now over time they're going to figure out how to make these things less expensive but um, directionally it's really exciting because they're they're looking at solving some of the problems before we've even got the current version on the road <laughs> which is kind of cool which is awesome yeah yeah. yeah, so stay tuned. Well, I think that's very We'll cool. have one. Yeah. yeah. That'll be Soon. really neat. I want to drive it. I want to drive that one without racing anyone or yeah. the tires. I, 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 I think you've just excluded yourself right. from any <laughs> testing right. possibility. Just, yeah. Oh, you know what? I should have yeah. never asked Will that Phipps, question. Will nope. I'm sorry, Frank. <laughs> Will, no. Maybe we'll Frank, get you on yes, the track. Frank, yes, right. No. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, Frank, you could take me a ride in it. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. We'll get you on the racetrack that Dave was on. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be yeah. fun. That would be kind of cool, actually. It was cool. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it was. So I know our trucks have all kinds of safety features, you know, to prevent it from rolling over. And um, we have the where it stops, you know, if somebody's. Mm-hmm. Um, Active braking. Yeah. Are, are these <clears throat> trucks that are, are they also coming with some of those? Or is that we're testing this piece out and then we'll be adding mm-hmm. some of the safety Features yeah. to it. Yeah. What, and what, what I would say there is, you know, I, I think you've just seen the beginning of these technologies that we're going to invest in as a company. And we've been investing in, as Linda mentioned, we have roll stability, we have active braking, we have adaptive cruise control, all these technologies that are making the job safer, mm-hmm. um, a better job, make sure we get home safe right. to our families. Yep. And there's more technologies coming. I mean, active steering is one that, that is out there, but, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, overlook that it's, and, and there's different kinds of active steering. Some I like, and some I don't, there, there's, there's a uh, lane correction that kind of bumps you off the lane. That is annoying. Oh, to that's me. so I annoying. That. <laughs> but, or the blind spot. I yeah. Don't, some of them, it's, it's nice, but I mean, you got to be perfect in the lane. Yeah, the person no. next to you has to be perfect in the lane. But lane centering technology is very compelling. And, and that's basically where it, the, 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 there's a motor on the, the, the steering shaft mm-hmm. that keeps you along with, and it uses the camera in the truck to keep you in the center of the lane. Oh. And hey, you know, you basically stay within the center uh, really tight. There, there's a small variance there. And, and so for our driving associates, you know, there's a lot of stress that goes into constantly correcting, 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 trying to stay in the middle, watching your watching your trailer, trying not to make sure you drift. Um, these technologies take into account wind gusts and other trucks coming by you and all kinds of road grade issues. And, and so I, I just, I would stay tuned um, for, for these technologies. They're exciting. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to be a little cautious. At the same time, we're going to get out there and test. Right. And some of the testing that we do, we, we, we kind of come back and say, eh, not ready for prime time. And some of the testing, we're really excited and we can't wait for it to get out, but, but it's also got to work economically. Right. And so trade-offs, there's, the, <laughs> there's that, that dang word again. <laughs> but um, th- there's, there's more movement in truck technology today and, and has been in the last 10 years than I saw in my first 20 years in the industry. Wow. So it's an exciting time to be in the industry. For sure. Yeah. Gosh, from buying your very first truck to buying now is just... A lot more computers and sensors. It used to be easy. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, to be able to easy. fix them. Now you need a <laughs> doctorate in computer science or something. I don't know. So, Frank, <laughs> what advice would you give somebody that says, hey, you're getting an opportunity to drive this new electric truck? What would you say to them? I would say 
take the opportunity and whatever information you thought you had before, take it and throw it out the window and start on a new venture. Right. Because it's definitely worth it. Because the future, that's where we're headed. Yeah. So get on I, board or be left behind. That's huh? it, Will. Absolutely. Well, we, um, prior to this podcast, we went out on our Instagram and Facebook and we asked some of our followers and listeners to uh, ask some questions. <laughs> what kind of what kind of information did they want to hear from you guys? And so we did that. So Oh, they're tough. Oh, <laughs> I mean, this is going we'll from give, a podcast to a roast. We we'll grabbed real quick. Hard ones. <laughs> yeah, Frank, Frank's going to take all the hard questions. So. <laughs> right. We grabbed just a few. Okay. You want to go first? So I'll take the first one here. This one is from Stephen R. Okay. First part of this question is two-part. Actually, it looks like three-part. So it says, do they work? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So, yes, they do work. The second part of this is, where and how do you recharge? I think I touched on that earlier. You know, it's pre-planning throughout the day. So if you start your day and you know what you're doing, you definitely should be pre-planning your stops, whether you need it or not. You know, it's now I'm going to date myself. It's kind of going back to the days when we used a Thomas guide versus GPS. You took the time to sit down and figure out what you're doing ahead of time. And you knew where your turn was going to be other than waiting on that voice or that little signal or arrow to tell you to turn left or right. You had it internalized in your head. So I think that's a direction you should plan on and use. Good. And the third and last part of this is, when are you transitioning to them, meaning electric trucks? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that question. And, and, and again, as, as we indicated, they're not being built yet, right? We're, we're on the early stages of this. We're testing. We're testing prototypes. Um, when we do get going with them, it'll be in small numbers because, as, as you realize, there's a lot of trade-offs. We're still learning some of those things. You know, and, and if we're going to be a successful company, if we're going to provide um, all of our employees with opportunities, we're going to provide good benefits, we're going to provide good pay, it's got to work economically. So, so no matter how ambitious our environmental goals are going to be, um, it's, it's got to both improve the environment and it's got to work so that we, we take care of all of the families that are reliant upon our company. And so, so how fast we transition is really going to depend on how some of these assumptions work out. Right. And, and if those assumptions are good assumptions, then, then we're going to see a little more of this. But like I said, um, it, it's limited currently by range mm-hmm. for, the, for the most part. And so our applications where we can use these trucks are going to be small. But, but I would expect to see more trucks on the road in the next two years. Okay. There you go, Stephen R. All right. Our next question comes from Mark J. Oh, how come you're skipping that? I'm going right underneath it. Mark J. Wow. He says, how many miles before you need a new charge? And where is the charge station? Wow. That was the first comment. So that's right. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I think it's, it's, it varies, you know, according to how you're going, you know, you may be in an area where you don't have traffic. So you may not need, you may charge it in the morning, and that might be it for the day. So uh, it, every area, every region will have its own benefit. 
Right, and it probably depends on how heavy the load mm. is that you're hauling. Correct. Right. So there's a lot of yeah. and how many stops you have involved as well. I would say there's there's I, I name maybe and and there's the same thing that 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 you look at when you look at fuel economy, right? Are you in a hilly terrain? Are you going to go up the grapevine? Well. By the way, with the torque of these things, you can run up the grapevine. You can go up the grapevine 65 miles an hour. Right. But by the time you get to the top, you may not have <laughs> much battery left. That's the trade-off, right? Yeah. So, so weight of the load, the weather, the topography, um, you know, in, in hot weather or warm weather, batteries work better than in colder weather. And so you're going to get better performance in an electric truck in mild temperatures as opposed to extreme temperatures. And so all these things, it, it kind of depends. But generally speaking, you're, you know, most manufacturers have come out with somewhere between 100 miles and a couple of hundred miles is, is, is our limitation right now. So Early phases of it. Early phases. Yep. Yeah, hopefully it improves. So right. which one did you just read? Uh, the one right below the one you read, Mark oh, J. I'm going to save that last one for you there. That last one's yours. So the next one is from Bill D. It says, how difficult will it be to find and utilize charging stations while you're out there on the road? Well, as Dave mentioned earlier, I think, you know, manufacturers are starting to produce more charging stations. And as we move into the future with this, you know, we will have more charging stations. Um just as you probably run into your shopping centers now. I won't mention any specific names, but like this morning I hit Starbucks and I looked, I said, wow, that's impressive. You know, there's like 20 charging stations there for electric vehicles. So, you know, I think that's, we'll see that soon. And I I would anticipate that, that at some point we're going to have somewhat of a, like it's like a fuel card, right? You go to the pilot, you go to, you know, one of these, one of these other fueling location loves right now. You're going to have an electric charging card from the company and, and uh, be able to use some of these. And it's the same same deal. You throw your card in, it reads the card, it charges your electricity, and off you go. Wow. That's so cool. That is neat <laughs> yeah. to think about the future. Like, that's kind of cool. Yep. Yeah. And then we just need to make sure that Loves gives us the fuel points for the charge. There you go. <laughs> right? There you go. Who knows? We might even have, instead of having the card, you know, your name and information and you have face recognition, you know, when you go up to thumbprint, thumbprint or face recognition, <laughs> boom, it automatically bills to that source. <laughs> there, you, there you go. That's scary. <laughs> That's scary just a little. We're going to go to Alex E. Alex E says, and he's a, this is a long question. And I believe it's for you, Dave. Uh-oh. <laughs> I thought we were going to give the hard ones to Frank. <laughs> we might have to share it. Okay. All right. It Help says, how is the issue of reduced energy density compared to the diesel going to be addressed during the industry's transition to electric, given the limitations of current lithium ion and lithium polymer technology? Yeah, let's stop there and, and, and address that. So, so obviously, Alex is well-informed. He's been reading <laughs> And uh, he's, he's got an education on this already. And what he's talking about with energy density is it's basically how much energy can you pack into a, a, a space, right? Um, diesel fuel packs a lot of energy into a gallon of liquid. Um, with batteries, we're effectively limited right now on how much energy we can get out of a certain amount of batteries or space of batteries. And without, without further technical uh, breakthroughs, then, then we're basically stuck where we are. And that's why we have the range challenge that we do. So, so you're right. There, there is, there is a challenge. 
Um, and, and again, what I'm hoping for and we're watching closely for is some sort of battery breakthrough. Uh, unfortunately, all the batteries that we tend to be developing are, are using precious metals, which makes them expensive, which makes them limited. Um, hopefully, we're able to find a way to store energy that, that is less expensive and, and is a little more flexible. But today, we're stuck where we are, and that's what limits us from really deploying more of these vehicles into the industry at a faster pace. All right. And the next part of his question says, how will aging battery packs impact range over time? And how is the industry planning on addressing those changes in vehicle capacity without undue cost from the frequent battery swaps or purchases? Yeah, so so there's a couple of things loaded in there that I want to uncouple here. And again, Alex has done his reading. I commend you, Alex, for your, uh, for your knowledge there. Uh, there's a couple of strategies that some of the OEMs have have talked about, and, and nothing's been done yet because we're not there yet, but they've talked about. One of the strategies was instead of charging your batteries, would there be an easy way to swap the trays? Kind of like pulling out a set of batteries and, sh- and, and pumping yeah, the ones one. in. And, and what, what we've come to realize is, is that, one, they're heavy. Um, two, they're really expensive. So if you drop one, you're in trouble. <laughs> Three, I mean, it's just it's just logistically difficult to do a battery swap, and so that that's kind of lost a little bit of favor in the industry, and 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 maybe maybe we we come back to that at some point as as um, somebody figures out a better way to do it. But the battery swap issue was kind of a thought early on, and 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 people have gone away from it. Again, some of these battery uh, trays may be, and I'm I'm throwing out a wild number here, but just to give you an idea, maybe a hundred thousand dollars a piece wow. for these. For these trays so to be pulling those in and out with a forklift is is a little dangerous right um, scary. The, the other the other thing that that alex mentioned which is very keen observation is the idea that over time batteries degrade um, think about your cell phone mm-hmm. brand new you give it a charge you're you know yakety yakking on it all day long and the next day you're still yakety yakking on it and you realize okay i guess i need to charge it then as it gets old, about lunchtime, you're going, oh, shoot, <laughs> you know, I only got 20% left. What happened? Well, it's chemistry. The battery chemistry changes. And so, um, you know, OEMs are looking at different ways to do this. And I've talked to three or four OEMs about this. And one of the common strategies is kind of interesting is that, um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not sharing any secrets that, that I don't think we, we, we shouldn't share because I've heard it in a couple different places. And, and even the car, some of the car guys do this. What they do is they, they have 100% battery capacity, but they only allow you to use 80% of it. So what happens is as the battery performance degrades over time, you don't see a drop in range because you already were limited to that 80% of the battery capacity to begin with. And so they're masking it basically by... by by doing that. And that's a strategy that may or may not end up getting deployed, but it's an issue, right? And if, and if we're concerned about range brand new, imagine what it will be three or four years down the road. Does that mean that we need to buy all new batteries, which are pretty expensive, a couple years down the road? Well, that, that again is another factor that may end up killing this thing economically. All questions that, that we haven't had answered, we will in due time. And, um, I'm, I'm, I've got my, 
I've got my bet on this thing working though. Yeah. I, I've, I've got, I've got high hopes. Well, it sounds like they got the right guy to answer those questions. Yeah, I'm, so that, I'm glad it's you and not me. Yeah, me too, yeah. because I read the question. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be saying a whole lot of ums. Um, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> Thanks for your question, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a great question. Thanks, Alex. Well, absolutely. Well, Dave, I don't care what anyone said prior to this meeting, this little prep <laughs> meeting right here. My new nickname for you is kind of going to be Doc because you're Doc. an interesting, cool dude, man. Oh, and wow. you, Doc. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's Doc. So I'm going to refer to Dave as Doc over here. Now I know. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, uh, man, right. both of you guys have been phenomenal. Hey, fr- Frank, thank you for uh, being kind of like the, uh, the guinea pig out there. It sounds like yeah. you're having fun. Definitely. And uh, Definitely. hey, thank you for all you do with the company. And uh, Dave, thank you right. for coming on, and thank you for your many years of service here. And it honestly, it sounds like they got the right guy in for the for the position. I'm, like I said, I'm glad it's you and not me. And let's see if we can get this right. You ready? We're gonna wing it. So it's thanks for watching or listening. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. Look at you and stream us. Wherever you listen to podcasts. We got it. We got it. We are pros. It only took like 45 times of doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. And don't forget to email us at beyondtherig at nighttrans.com. Until next time. Thanks, everybody. We enjoyed bringing this show to you, and we hope you had fun along the way, too. We're going 1010 for now, but you can catch us on the side on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Beyond the Rig and Drive Night. Until next time, be safe out there and keep trucking.